so look, I mean, there's been a lot of talk lately about uh, pharmacare in Canada and how that all works. And, you know, for people who don't have coverage, uh, the challenge in, in getting needed medication, right? So that that's another conversation. But yeah, I think it's important uh, that, you know, people are covered. Certain drugs can, can come with a, you know, a hefty price tag. So if you're fortunate enough to have coverage, then, you know, it's simply a matter of, okay, I, I'm prescribed this drug. Now I'll go fill that prescription. And that's what pharmacies do. Uh, so, you know, pharmacies are, are private businesses and there's a lot of competition. There's some big names when it comes to pharmacies. There's smaller, independent, corner store kind of mom and pop operations. Now, provided they can fill the prescription, like they've got the necessary product or ingredients or whatever it might happen to be, then, you know, you could go there. They'll bill your company or you'll bill your company. But what it was announced this week sort of, you know, throws all of that into question. To what extent can the insurance providers partner with, get into arrangements with, those that are filling and making these prescriptions? Manulife Financial Corporation and Loblaws have announced a partnership. Loblaws, of course, owns Shoppers Drug Mart. They also have pharmacies in their grocery stores. Superstores have pharmacies, typically uh, no frills, these stores too. Under this arrangement, Manulife says they will only cover the cost of certain drugs if those prescriptions are filled at a Loblaws pharmacy. The new arrangement details which were shared with plant holders earlier this month affects around 260 medications under the insurance company's specialty drug care program. Drugs in this class are meant to treat complex, chronic, or life-threatening conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's, multiple sclerosis, pulmonary arterial hypertension, cancer, osteoporosis, and hepatitis C. Manulife says starting January 22nd, the program would transition to being carried out primarily through Shoppers Drug Mart and other Loblaws-owned pharmacies. So, is this a concern? It has certainly raised some eyebrows. And if things are moving in this direction, what are the implications? And what does it mean, especially for, you know, smaller or independent pharmacies? So, some big questions about this. Joining us uh, for some thoughts uh, on, on all of that. Very pleased to welcome to the program here this morning, uh, Paul Grudendorst, Associate Professor of Economics, the Leslie Dan Faculty of Pharmacy at the University of Toronto. Paul, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Um, good morning. Is it still morning in Calgary? Yeah, yeah, technically. So, uh, getting on okay. to late morning, but yeah, that, that works. Uh, we'll, we'll accept okay. that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first of all, how unusual or unprecedented is this kind of an arrangement in Canada? Um, well, there's really no news, new news here. It's uh, an arrangement which other insurers have struck with uh, different pharmacy chains. Was um, oh, that right? Yeah, my employer, the University of Toronto, <clears throat> requires uh, me to... Uh, get if i need a prescription for a high cost drug um i'd have to go through one of their designated pharmacies so it's it's uh it's a continuation of a trend i've been seeing for a while interesting and so what what's the motive is it just about dollars the pharmacies want this business and so they try to incentivize the insurers to to steer them their way or are there other factors that come into play i i think it's a, a bit about um the Insurers uh, using their buying power, um, after all, they do represent many uh, employer-sponsored drug plans. Uh, they can steer uh, patients <laughs> different pharmacies, and they use that leverage to extract the discounts on the uh, margins that pharmacies charge for uh, dispensing 
uh, these high-cost drugs. These are drugs that cost over typically $10,000 per patient per year. And if a pharmacy is charging a typical margin of 10% on the um, on the drug ingredient cost itself, then you can imagine the margin would be measured in the thousands of dollars uh, per patient per year. So the insurers are saying, hang on a sec, let's um, <clears throat> see if we can do better than that. Let's um, see if the pharmacies are willing to uh, compete for our business. And then right. that would lower, presumably, the cost of the drug plan to the uh, employer <clears throat> who is sponsoring it. Right. So then that's where the incentive. So if the big company, the, the pharmacy company, can say, we'll deliver those drugs at a lower cost. And then we'll just end up with more, you know, larger volume of customers that that's good for them. And the lower cost guarantees are, are good for the uh, insurer. Yep. Yeah. No, it's um, that's basically the arrangement. Um you see it every day in, in business, of course. Um, exclusive contract firms signed to um, extract some price concessions out of suppliers. So what are the implications for the patient? I think that's where there's some concern here. I mean, ultimately, they, they need a drug. The company's still covering the drug, so that, that that part is taken care of. But does it erode choice? Or are there ways in which dispensing fees could still hit these you know these customers if they don't have that choice? I can imagine if you have a, I don't know, don't know how this will be handled by the insurer, um, by the manualites, but I can imagine if a patient lives in a more rural part of the province, right? Um, and they're not close by a, a Loblaws affiliated pharmacy like a Shoppers Drug Mart, then yeah, what, what what's the option then? Do they have to get mail order? If it's mail order, how do you, how do you, Administer it if it's an injectable. Yeah. Um, or else, are you going to then travel um, two hours to get to the closest uh, shopper's drug mart? Now, most people will, won't have a problem. I mean, they'll have to change the pharmacy. Um, and that they may not like that. They may have an established relationship with their existing pharmacy, so that's potentially a problem. Uh, but, you know, there, <clears throat> in terms of the actual travel time to attend the pharmacy, I don't, for most people, live in urban areas it shouldn't be too problematic i think right so ultimately even though there's an arrangement that exists here now between in this case manulife and and loblaws there's some competition for that like other companies you know could have landed this deal i guess if if you know they were willing to, to to do better it's almost like a bidding process so do you still see that there is some some competition at play in all of this well it's actually I have to say, I, I, I've been thinking a bit more about this, and it is somewhat limited competition because I understand the, the pharmacy chains that are in a position to compete for the business. They have to have a certain network of well, coverage, sure. right? Yeah. So, the, you know, smaller pharmacies or smaller pharmacy chains that are regionally based are not going to be able to uh, necessarily win the contract because they can't supply <laughs> the, the supply requirements. So you're dealing then with the bigger chains, the Rexalls, the the or the McKessons, which owns Rexall, the Loblaws, which owns the uh, Shoppers, uh, the uh, Empire Group, which owns the Sobeys. I guess they don't have Sobeys in Alberta, but um, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. But yeah, yeah. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. 
so yeah, I mean, yeah, there there aren't many players that can compete in that realm. But I guess you know the other side of it too. If we step in and and you know we we tell our governments to tell these companies we don't like these deals, you can't strike these deals. Well, I mean, you know, instead of of this, then they just say, okay, well, we're going to stop covering that drug, or instead of eighty percent, we're just going to cover fifty percent of that drug. Like, you know, if they're concerned about costs, I guess they got other ways of addressing that, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're the if you're a beneficiary of an employer um, drug plan, so your your company covers your drug plan costs uh, as a part as a form of compensation. Um, there's only so much compensation available to <laughs> to pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can't lower costs um, by virtue of these exclusive deals, then what are the options? Well, you're right. They could increase the co-pays so that not you pay out of pocket for the prescription, or they could uh, decrease the number of drugs they cover, or they could, you know, make your your drug benefits more generous but lower your uh, salary compensation. So there's always a trade-off involved, unfortunately. Yeah, and and if governments are going to regulate this, I do wonder if it strengthens the calls to have some kind of like that pharmacare sort of safety net. Did you see connection between those two conversations? Yes and no. I mean, the the actual compensation arrangements with between insurers and pharmacies is kind of orthogonal to the pharmacare debate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in fact, I don't think the government would have the. <laughs> the courage to strike up an arrangement. Like if, if Alberta, for instance, had a uh, provincial plan, yeah, right. replaced all the private coverage, I don't think that they would have the political courage to make such a, such a deal. No, and so, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think so either. I just wonder if, you know, the, the concern here is that more people are going to fall through the cracks or not have the coverage they need, that, that there needs to be some kind of a, more of a fallback yeah, or think, more of a safety I think net. you're right. right. The bigger issue about coverage certainly national pharmacare mm-hmm. or having a, a provincial pharmacare which meets national standards you know it makes a lot of sense um it's not a perfect solution by any means but it you know it probably improved a lot of a lot of people who are don't have great drug uh drug planning benefits and um yeah there could be other efficiencies as well but as you say this I isn't mean, the first drawback right, no. but well, yeah, that, that, I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's all of those issues that come along with that. But it seems like this kind of an arrangement, as you say, it's not the first and I, I guess probably won't be the last. No, it's, it's um, you'll be seeing, I don't think it's going to go into a U.S. style system where we, the PBMs, the, the pharmacy benefit managers, um, get very aggressive in terms of what drugs they'll cover and they, they demand discounts for manufacturers. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see that here. Um, just yet, but I think what you will see is a continuation of this, what you see with between Manulife and, and uh, Loblaws. That is, exclusive contracts to um, to dispense certain high-cost drugs. That, that'll continue for sure. Yeah. Very interesting. Paul, appreciate your insight on all this. Thanks so much for joining us here this morning.